0: well good evening good morning uh, depending where you are I know for sure that my guest is currently in Armenia and uh, it is morning for him so good morning Jacob and good morning good to <laughs> there you go and uh, good morning to our uh, I guess European counterparts and there's some I know watching from Holland and Germany and and again, for those who are in the United States of America, depending where you are, it's either really late at night um, or uh, it's uh, not so late at night, I guess, uh, if you're on the West Coast like I am at it's 10 o'clock, 10.03 right now. And um, as you guys know, and as we've shared on our personal and uh, also the Apollo Center page, if that's the way you found out about it, uh, then. Uh, we are speaking with Dr. Jacob personally. Jacob's a good friend of mine, and we got to know each other and meet each other and know each other uh, in Armenia uh, as I spent my uh, my time there the last year and a half. Um, And um, Jacob is a very unique individual, okay, Uh, because he's he's from Arkansas. Like, you know, it's, it's so funny because hey, what are you doing in Armenia, right? <laughs> What's a guy like you from Arkansas yeah, right. <laughs> uh, doing in Armenia? And so, he, go ahead. We
1: don't, we don't even wear shoes. I mean, yeah, how do we get out of Arkansas?
0: <laughs> uh, and, uh, but one of the things that people should know about Jacob is that he has a, he has a deep compassion and love uh, for that region. Uh, and I say region, and I don't say specifically Armenia, because he spent 15 years of his life in Turkey, um, reaching out and ministering to and discipling Kurds and Turks. Um, is there anyone else that I'm missing in in there, Jacob?
1: Yeah, we also had a, a ministry with Zaza people okay. as well. Um, it's another; they would technically be classified as a Kurdish people group, and. And many of them came to the Lord, and, mm-hmm. and also, yeah, Kurmanji-speaking Kurds and, and, and Turks.
0: Yeah. So again, for those who are watching, who might think, "Oh man, these these guys are propagandists," and you know, they're they're trying to, whatever, you know, whatever they can attach and whatever uh, they can speak on. We we want people to know. We want those who are in opposition, I guess, to what we're saying to know that we love them and we care for them, and we love them enough to tell them the truth. We love them enough to tell them that Jesus died for them and they can be reconciled to God through his son who died on the cross for their sins and that we can truly and rightfully call them our brothers and our sisters. That is a deep joy that we will have in our lives in in, uh, in our ministry. And this, this is why Jacob does what he does. This is why I do what I do. Uh, for me, as you, many of you guys know, um, this is an apologetics channel. Apologetics that is uh, disconnected with evangelism is useless okay so we are uh, our hearts are connected in that sense because we we both love uh, apologetics we love both love evangelism and we want people to come to know jesus we actually we actually both believe there's no better people group to reach the turks than the armenians that might be counterintuitive to many even armenians that are watching this uh, but the reality is that there's no one that has as much to forgive the Turks as us. And when we get to a point to, to forgive the Turks, um, then they really see what forgiveness looks like. Jacob, I want you to comment on that a couple of minutes because you've spent time with Turkish Christians and Turkish pastors and you know this situation a lot better than I do. Um, as, so that the Armenians who are watching this, right? And I know this is a time where our emotions are all over the place. I know mine are. Um, and I got to settle it and I got to filter my emotions through the word of God. But why don't you comment on this? And then we'll jump into this whole situation with what's going on and how the thinking process is.
1: Yeah, I, I will. Artur, thank you again. Good to see you here uh, in this way. We miss you here in Armenia, but I'm glad we can visit in, in this uh, format. And. And God bless you what you do. This is so important, apologetics and, and defending the faith and answering questions that even a lot of the viewers probably have about the existence of God and all of those things that a lot of people, you know, uh, have maybe questioned. Uh, but I know many of my Arminian friends uh, that maybe were nominal Christians or maybe just kind of kept it as an ethnic identity. And many of them now are opening the Bibles up for for them. Because of the situation over here in the war, and so if you're watching, uh, please watch Artur's videos. Look at his interviews. Uh, he has live question and answer time. Just, just, put, just to see what he, he's doing on this channel. So I just want to encourage you. Many of you that are seeking, this is a, a good place to to begin. So now uh, to Artur about your question uh, here uh, in uh, with, the, with the Turks. Uh, I just. Got off the phone about three or four days ago. Had an hour conversation with a Turkish pastor. He is from a Muslim background, Sunni Muslim, and he is from Adana. And all of us know, uh, if you've studied the the genocide history, there was a huge massacre in Adana, and they really just wiped out the Armenian population there, as they did in many areas of Turkey during uh, uh, the time of the genocides, 1915 and on. And uh, this this man. Just as one example, he uh, grew up in Turkey by uh, hearing lies and uh, falsehoods about Christianity, Bible, exactly art. All of these things were, were, were taught him from elementary school, passed down by media, by the ministry of religion the government. And uh, so here he is growing up as a boy in Adana, uh, mm-hmm. He's kind of outside of the city center. <clears throat> and uh, as a Muslim, he was taught that, that he should believe the, the four right teachings. Uh, and uh, and, the, and the, so these, these teachings were, these, these, these that he was supposed to believe uh, about the holy books was this. There are four right books uh, the Quran, Tebrat, Zebur, Injil. Just to make that simple for you guys. The Quran is the Muslim book, the Tevrat is what Muslims say is Moses' book, uh, the Zabur is what they say is David's book, he, you, know, you know, King David, and the Injil is what they say is Jesus' book. But he was told from the time he was a child to believe all of these books, and if he did not believe these books, he would not be a Muslim. But then he was also taught that these three books, the Tevrat, Zebur, and the Old and New Testament are trash. They're corrupted, they're changed, but you have to believe in them to be a Muslim. You got to read them, believe in them, but they're trash and they're garbage. And he said that, you know, it made no sense to him. And I remember him telling me, you know, that I uh, said, you know, I'm supposed to read these books, but they're changed and corrupted. How could an eternal God's word be corrupted and changed by mere men? It made no sense. And then have power change, change until uh, uh, God's Word. So uh, he actually looked for a Bible. There was no Bible at the time. And uh, he found out one of his friends was going to Ankara, the capital city. And he said, look, can you find a bookstore? Can you find me a Bible? To make it short, he found the Bible. He read the Bible for the first time, my friend. My, he's now a pastor, Turkish Christian. And uh, and he began to read and said, this is a good book. <laughs> and he ended up believing in Jesus because he saw what how, what the Bible actually taught about Christianity, about Christians, about the church. And he realized everything he was ever taught about the nature of Christianity was a lie. There was not one thing here that was true, but he had to discover that by the primary sources for the Christians, which is the Old and New Testament. Then he met true Christians and they helped disciple them. And then he went training and then he became a pastor of our church in Istanbul that we had. And now He's actually one of the, the, the top-viewed uh, apologist in the Turkish world. Uh, it's Bakri Betel. You can find him on YouTube, uh, and he, he's doing a great job. But when it comes to this subject about the Armenians and how they can be the greatest evangelists among Turkish and Kurdish peoples is this. Just as the, this man was taught lies about Christianity, he was also taught lies about his history. I mean, they're taught an opposite history, as you know, Artur. You know, they're, they're taught that not only did the genocide not happen, and in fact, they are taught that the Armenians committed a genocide against them. And can, I don't know if you... Let me give you an example, because this is a great example. Um, I, I Right across from where I'm sitting here, you can see Mount Ararat. Mm-hmm. Mount Ararat is the province... In, in, in Armenian, this say Igdir. In, in uh, Turkish, it's Ödürr. But you go there, and they have a genocide memorial in Turkey. They Just like in Sitsanakabe, there's a there's a memorial here in Armenia, for those that are Armenians that are watching, that uh, can, that, that remembers the 1.5 million Armenians that were killed during the uh, Armenian genocide. And there is an obelisk that kind of goes up this way to represent Armenia and the diaspora. Uh, but if you go to Turkey, they have the same thing. Going up, you go down, and they have a museum, and the museum is a museum to remember what the Armenians and how they slaughtered the Turks in the so-called Turkish genocide, and uh, they have a museum. It's a copying, really, what we have here in hmm. Armenia on Yerevan. And uh, what's really sad about this is, you go in there, they say this is an internationally recognized genocide that the Armenians did. So, you, and then they have a list of scholars on the panel on the board our tour, and you look at the list of international uh, of scholars and every single one of them is Azeri from Azerbaijan wow that's their internationally recognized scholarship and the reason i'm saying that is wow. because really everything that is taught in the Turk world whether it's Azerbaijan or Turkey is the op- absolute opposite of what the truth is whether it's about history or a religion and so this man and uh, Bahri Beita, uh, he, uh we began to have long discussions about the Armenians and the genocide, and, and he came to the realization, it's a long story, that his people did commit this uh, genocide. And uh, he and many pastors, many Christians began to realize, well, wow, if they, they taught us lies about Christianity and uh, the, the Christian faith, why would we believe anything else that they taught us? So they, it's, it's like they've been brainwashed. They've been in this cult. Where they have to kind of just rethink everything they've been taught, and 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 they realize uh, that uh, now when they become believers, Christians, these Turkish and Kurdish Muslims come to faith in Jesus Christ, that they they really want to reconcile with Armenians, and they really want to meet an Armenian, mm. and they're a little shy, they're timid because they're thinking they probably hate us because of what our forefathers did. Yeah. But but they they take that one little step and. Uh, my friend, Bahri Baita, pastor be- and apologist, he has told me from time to time again that every time he takes that step towards an Arminian, he, it's always reciprocated. And they say, but we, but we know you didn't do it. And he said, I know. I personally didn't do it, but my forefathers did. And I want there to be peace among us. And can we join together and can we work together? And you're my brother in Christ now. And uh, this has been the amazing thing. So the Arminians really, and this is I've heard this from Kurdish pastors. I've heard this from Turkish pastors. They say the Arminians are our spiritual mothers and fathers. And they said, we really need them to come back. You know, we, we, we killed them and it was our fault, but we've been left as orphans. And we need our spiritual mothers and fathers to come back and help disciple hmm. us wow. and teach us the word, serve with us. So it's, it's an amazing thing. And if you're an Armenian, you're, you're watching this, you find this is crazy. But there's around 165 new Turkish churches in Turkey. These are new churches. And most of them are led by Turkish and Kurdish pastors now. And they have this heart for reconciliation.
0: Yeah. And, and so that's very important for us to know, by the way, everybody, because... Um, sorry, let me get this situated here. Um, That's very important for us to know as Armenian Christians, because um, the enemy is going to try to disturb that, disrupt that, right? Um, That's always going to be the case, because God's clearly doing something. Um, And again, again, I got to be fully kind of transparent. Um, When I hear stuff like that, I'm kind of all over the place emotionally right uh because i mean i've met i've embraced i've spoken to turkish christians i've sat down we've shared meals together um if someone doesn't know the situation from outside they they don't know what's going on they're kind of completely clueless to the situation if they they do if if they don't know the internal kind of feelings uh, of of what's going on the other thing it does to me at least is it, it puts me in a place to have a great deal of compassion because there's a difference between people who know what they're doing and then knowingly, like it's wrong and knowingly doing it. And then people who are living in ignorance. Right. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm not saying that all Turks are living in ignorance and, or all Turks are not living in ignorance. That's that you gotta judge that, you know, a person at a time, like your friend, right? Like they've been taught these things. Um, someone who I'm not a fan of, by the way, uh, politically or whatever, worldview-wise, is uh, the guy who runs the Young Turks YouTube oh, yeah, chink, uh, yeah, yeah. um, you know, he he had the statement where he said, hey, we were taught in school that we only lost one war in all of our history. And you look at that, and we laugh <laughs> at right. it, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, which nation is arrogant enough to claim that they only lost one war and that was World War One? Like, they've been victorious in every other war. It's insane but you know you that that gives you a place of moving compassionately and so i guess this takes me to my first question official question mm-hmm. because we're we're speaking about the mindset here right the mindset the turkish mindset yes. the azeri yes. mindset about armenia and artsakh typically what we've been seeing is armenians at rallies here in the united states australia france whatever europe like right? Like um, just all over the place. Armenia, praying, mm-hmm. praying the Lord's prayer yeah. um, and the Lord's prayer, right? Deliver us from evil. Help us forgive yes. those who do evil to us. I yes. mean, there's, it's all in there, right? Provide for us. Yes, protect us, but help us also forgive. Yes. Um, whether, someone's an actu- whether, whether someone's an actual Christian, what I mean by that is actually follows Jesus or kind of nominally, like culturally Christian. The reality is that their worldview is informed by uh, the Armenian worldview. Generally, is informed by Christianity, right? Like societal norms, understandings are informed by Christianity, and so when somebody approaches a situation and says, "Help, God, help us forgive those who've done evil against us," this isn't our mindset. And where on the other side, and I want you to speak on that. What's the other reaction, right? What's the Turkish-Azari reaction? And we'll speak generally within their Islamic, secular Islamic, or whatever, neo-Ottoman Islamic, Turkic kind of, because it's all complicated, right? Um, Or whether even later on we'll talk about the Christians in these countries, uh, specifically in Azerbaijan, because the Christians in Turkey and Azerbaijan, I think, are interacting with the situation a bit differently. Yeah, they are. And how the Azeri Christians are viewing this, because I've... I know you have interacted and there's been a number of things that have been produced where it was very unfair to to Armenians. And it was kind of like, what's going on? Are these people seeing uh, the actual stuff? Uh, But why don't you comment on that in regards to what the Armenian mindset is? I kind of mentioned that and then what the mindset is on the other side.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do a broad view uh, with Armenia first. When you watch news here, you you hear the the president, the prime minister uh, speak, whether it's in Artsakh, um, Ari, uh Harutyunyan, or here Nikol Pashinyan hmm. in Armenia, and you listen to the news here, and the people here want peace. They they want to defend their lands. They don't want to be aggressed on, and they. Uh, the only reason they they have to take up arms and they have to defend and shoot their bullies, and trying to to take over their their rightful lands. And so you you see this this uh, this coming togetherness here, uh, for the sake of of, of peace, defense, protection um they're not warmongering they are as as uh, some people have said i've heard in the past um, uh, somebody mentioned that and in fact uh, the 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 catholicos here in armenia called for a a national day for prayer for peace and we all joined that in our various churches and there are prayer meetings if i'm going to go look at, at like churches in this country which were connected with so many I mean, there, there's prayer meetings going on constantly. There's 24-hour prayer meetings at the church of four or five thousand. They've got fasting right now for 21 days straight. People are fasting through this time for peace, for for protection. Um, I i I just left a meeting right now, and I'm going to go back to it after this Artur, tour, where we have 50 people gathered to pray for two days and uh, excuse me, two nights and three days continuously. That's what we're doing. I just left that prayer meeting to come and join you, and these people, they're not full of hate. I have not heard these hate-filled messages from this side. I've never, but, you know, uh, if I wanted to contrast that with the Azeri side and uh, some of what I hear on the, in the Turkish news, it is full of hate. It is full of uh, uh, pejorative terms. I mean, they always refer to Armenia as the terrorist state. And that's how it goes off. The terrorist state of Armenia. And then they go on and they have now again done this and done that, and they're doing this and they're doing that. And they are these illegal occupiers and they're terrorists. And I've heard when I watched the protest, unlike in, like, say you're in California, you guys had peaceful protest. You, I, I remember, I think you told me even the, the grandmas were cleaning up the streets after the the, 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 the marches and the walks. I mean, they, they laid left Los Angeles cleaner than it was <laughs> in their protest. You know, over here uh, on in the Azeri and Turkish side, I, I, they, they've been calling for blood. I mean, you know, there's rhetoric uh, on on the Azeri and the Turkish side to finish off the genocide. And uh, that is, it, 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 and not only that, man, I could just go on and on. I, the treatment of prisoners, when a, when a Azeri pr- uh, uh, prisoner of war is captured here, they feed them good, they take care of them. They treat them humanely, as you are to do as a prisoner, as you treat prisoners of war. You get caught over there. I mean, they're gonna—they will literally skin you alive. They have done that to Armenians. So they beheaded soldiers. They're treating them horrible. They're shooting them on this—the the POWs. They're just shooting them down, humiliating them. Uh, there is a, a very different uh, way that of thinking, and and I think it has to do with what you said. It's the the Judeo-Christian foundation that the Armenians were founded on, just similar to the, the country of the United States. We have a, interesting parallels, actually. Um, uh, but th- that's in their 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 system that they know people are created in the, in the image of God here. And they don't have that same teaching in Turkey, and they don't have that same teaching in Azerbaijan. And because of the lies they were taught over these years, that, uh, you know, Armenians, like, uh, and, and most people know this if you're Armenian, but... The curse word in Turkey, if you want to, if you want to say a derogatory name to somebody, you call them Ermeni. Oh, he's an Ermeni. That means Armenian. Well, what, is, what does that mean? That means that the most horrible thing you could think of. I mean, that's a curse word in in, in Turkish language. Uh, they don't have that over here. Nobody talks like that. I don't hear that in, in the streets. Uh, it's it's just that the mindsets are very different.
0: Hmm. Okay, so why don't we speak about Um, the, so I've had one, at least one Christian Azari, um, who's commented on my videos and said something very interesting. I haven't responded to this individual, by the way, because, um, and it's been like more than a week and I keep thinking and praying and saying, okay, what's the best way I can respond to this individual? Um, I don't just want to kind of just go at them because I can, right. I can like theologically just, it's very obvious. Their theological development isn't very high and I I don't want to smack them over the head with my theological bat and and do more damage than good. So I just keep thinking and praying about what's the best way I can respond to this individual. And if this individual is watching right now, I will respond to you, uh, in, in the right time. Not, it's not that I don't have a response. It's that I want to do it graciously and something that's that honors Christ. Um, this Azari Christian said something that was very interesting to me. Um, said, well, oh, you, the comment was generally this. Well, you brought up that Stalin pretty much like illegally gave uh, Artsakh to Azerbaijan. That's besides the point. You should, like that doesn't matter. And, which I was like, of course that matters. Um, and said, well, it, it makes sense why they said it doesn't matter because they said, well, this is our God given land. Like God gave it to us. And that was kind of strange, right? Like, okay, what is the mindset among Azeri Christians? Okay, because I know there's Christians in Azerbaijan. So what are they thinking about this, right? And you've interacted with this a lot more than I have. Um, you, have uh, you know, with some literature and some translation stuff and all that. So why don't you comment on that? And then what's the best way? And remember, we're this is an apologetics channel, so we wanna this is an apologetic we wanna give. We wanna give a defense uh, to the arguments that even Christian brothers and sisters on the other side might have. We wanna give them a reasonable defense and say, well, you guys are off on this. What you guys need to do is go re-examine the scriptures. You guys go to go to God in prayer and get your facts straight. W- let me just warn again for everybody watching. We understand the fact that in Azerbaijan, they're taught a completely alternate history. Th- they are taught that Armenians are not the real people group that was in that region. They're taught that they are the descendants of the Albanian uh, the Caucasian Albanians. uh so there's there's a whole alternate history that they've learned. Again, I want to be gracious to them uh, because they're living in ignorance. But I still think at least to the Christians, I can hold them up to a certain standard um, and say, no, 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 you guys ought yes. to know better. You guys, If you guys are people who are called by the truth capital t that's jesus christ then you ought to know this stuff more and you ought to have an open heart to go and research and find out as the turkish christians are doing and actually coming to terms with their own history and and what their ancestors have done
1: yeah uh this is the thing that burdens me more than anything i i i have no expectations for you know a, a turkish Azeri, kurdish person that you know, just went to, you know, their schools and, and you know, I, I, I understand, you know, like they've been taught these lies. But as a Christian, um, you, like you said, we're, hold to, uh, we're held to a higher standard, which is the word of God. And um, we uh, the, the Bible says we're supposed to to examine teaching. I mean, it really says to do that and the Bereans, examine teaching to see if it really, truly is from God or not. And what I'm seeing from the Azeri Christian side, and I know that might shock some people, that there's actually Azeri Christians, and there are. There's somewhere between 10 and 20,000 Azeri Christians. And uh, they are from a Muslim background, and they place their faith in Jesus Christ. I've met many of them, and I love many of them. And I love them because they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to be reconciled. I mean, as you started the program off, we're reconciled to Jesus uh, excuse me, to God through Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, and we were enemies of God. And uh, while we were still sinners, uh, Christ died for us, and now we have to reconcile with each other. Uh, and it's it's hard to do that when you believe the lies that you were taught growing up. And the Turks that I know that are Christians, they have examined their history in detail, and they thought, wow, you know, we were lied to about all these other things and after examining history and they remembered stories, those are those truth. The truth comes out. Look, truth always wins no matter what. And if the truth might hurt that, um, that, that, you, that uh, about their history being false and actually not true. I, they might like, oh, my national pride has hurt so much. And what, so you're saying that everything I taught was taught a lie. I remember a Turkish woman asking me that. She came to faith when she was around 40 years old. And after months of disciple, doing discipleship with me, I remember one day she's like, are you telling me like literally everything I've ever learned? I, I think it's a lie. And I felt so bad for her. Because at forty, you know, you, you you think you are this thing, and this is the way you are, and then all of a sudden, you, you begin to learn the truth about things, and uh, and it's really hard for them to go through. And so I understand there's the stage they're in right now, or they're at right now. But um, their response to this war has been uh, saddening to me. Uh, I, I can give you some examples. Uh, there was a uh, there was a large denomination. Protestant denomination put out a video uh, for a prayer for the war and I translated most of it because I, I just was shocked. I mean, it was like oh, he, he goes on and I'm just going to translate so you can hear their theology I mean, you can hear people's theology when they pray I mean, that's when it comes out. And here this guy is and he says, I cry out a prayer like David. And he says this war is your just war. That's his first sentence in prayer. And he says, I will follow you you into this war. Okay, this is his prayer to God. And he says, O Lord of the armies, be proud before your enemies and stretch out before them, the soldiers. We will win against this evil. And he goes on, he says, I declare that the lands of Azerbaijan you will save and you will wipe away the tears of our mothers. Our help comes from the Lord. Save Shusha, Shushi, right? That the, you know, that's what they. The, 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 he goes on and names cities in Artsakh, and he says this will bring us joy. And then, uh, uh, and then he says, "Long live Azerbaijan! May it always live!" And he said, "The enemies will be defeated, and I will celebrate um, when our enemies are defeated, O Lord of the armies." And he goes on and goes on in the glory and power of Your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and this prayer really just uh, shows where the heart of the church there is not. They're not thinking about the eternal kingdom of God. One, uh, there's no eternal land of Azerbaijan. Uh, that's, 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 that, there was never anything like that. There, there, this world will either be uh, completely destroyed or renewed in some way. And our kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. Uh, and it's the kingdom of God that cannot be uh, shaken or destroyed. It's just, sorry, I got to laugh too.
0: at this. Okay, so I got to laugh at this. Go ahead. <laughs> just, like, a country that's been around for 100 years to call it eternal is just hilarious to me, by the way. Just, uh, I mean, Azerbaijan as a country has been around for 100 years. Right. I mean, it, this is we're not making this up. Their own history to is whatever they're teaching there, right? Like, there was no country before 1918 called Azerbaijan. Uh, not saying right. the people weren't around I'm just saying there's no country as that like I don't know man I see like Rome right like I, I see like Italians like you know Romans being proud saying the eternal city of Rome or something like that right, sure. <laughs> but like I don't know like I Baghdad mean, I mean, on,
1: we, we, we literally just celebrated our 2,800 seconds of of having a city in Yerevan, 2802 years of of being a city in Yerevan. i mean they don't have anything like that uh and and not look again it's just the things that he's saying that this is a a just war and and it's god's war and and when i hear that i'm just thinking you know that you understand this probably better than i do but i studied an ethics just war theory and uh thomas aquinas all these these guys that went through points and points and they came at it from a biblical perspective and there is not one just thing about attacking uh, a piece of land that was never yours and that these people democratically voted that they wanted to join uh armenia i mean the majority yeah. wanted to join armenia yeah. uh in an overwhelming majority vote and then all of a sudden, Azerbaijan wants to come in with their their soldiers and tanks of uh, 10 million people and attack a little piece of this land of 150,000 people and bomb their capital cities and bomb their villages and the civilians. There's not, nothing just yeah. about that. I know you know this, but um, the, the Proverbs chapter 6 says these things are abominations to the Lord. And uh, I truly believe what the Azerbaijani and Turkish governments do are abominations to the Lord. Uh, lying tongue, murder, plotting evil, the Proverbs goes through each point. And that's yeah. what they're doing. Go
0: ahead. Yeah, I didn't. It's so funny. I, as you were talking about that, I realized that on my left and my right shoulder over here, that's a Thomas a Thomas Aquinas little figurine. And, and, that's Aristotle, <laughs> and that's Aristotle. And I didn't do that intentionally, by the way. I didn't put them on the same shelf. But, you know, for those who know theological history and all that so Aquinas and Aristotle you know like Aquinas is Aristotelian in a Christian format by the way yeah uh and again like talking about just war theory like when you think about just war right you're you're actually thinking about in the context of defending yourself you're thinking about it in the context of a people group is being oppressed and if you're going to be on the offensive end right Right. going in to rescue right Right. like so even even if right like they're not going in to Artsakh to rescue the population of Artsakh from armenia right like the Artsakh is a self-governing uh government it, it has its right. own president it's got its own government system armenians are not interfering in their government um and so they want to govern themselves right uh, e- e- even if and this is not the case even if long time ago that long that land belonged to you and it didn't i want to Qualify that. Um, the people who are living on it want to govern themselves, and they don't want your government. And understanding that the Azari government, by the way, has had two presidents since nineteen ninety one, whatever nineteen the early nineteen nineties, mm-hmm. a father and a son, and right. and, the, and the son's wife is the vice president. I, I mean, I don't know of anything that gets more dictatorial than that. Um, and you're and the, as a Christian. You can stand there in good conscience and say, this is a just war. And all you're thinking about is the land, not the people that actually occupy the land. There's something off there, theologically, right? There's something off there for you to be so connected to that.
1: No, And I I tell you, the the other thing that's made me sad, Artur, is this. I've received many uh, messages from Christian adversaries saying to me, you know, you you keep saying that Azerbaijan and Turkey are these aggressors, and we're wrong. And then this is what their response is. But what about Hojala Hozhalı? What about hojala What about what you you're protecting these Armenians and what they did in hojala And if for anybody that doesn't know, uh, when uh, the land of Artsakh, the people that were there, they voted democratically. Again, I keep saying this. That was their their original land but they always lived in the armenians were the majority people there from the time of noah because i that think joined in 1988 right and and then uh, the azeri azerbaijan did not respect the rights and the of these people the armenians living there and they started a war to uh, because they didn't want Artsakh to join Armenia. And so uh, during that time, there was a village called uh, Hojale, uh village. And uh, there I've heard four accounts of what actually took place there. And to be honest, again, I don't believe what happened, what the Azeris say, because I know how they control their media. And it's like the Turks, they spin everything. And so, you know, some they, they say that Armenians went in on their perspective and, and just killed 600-something uh, men, women, and children. It was a massacre, and they always call it a genocide, right? Uh, even if that did happen, it, it, was, it was horrible. But then I've heard, even from the Azeri side, that um, it's not actually that it happened that way. And then you hear other uh, versions, and uh, it's really hard to see what truly happened. Now, my point of saying this is this, is that my our Azeri Christian friends keep saying, what about this? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, as a Christian, the Bible says, it doesn't say eye for eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood. So it says, it doesn't say, well, now you can take vengeance. It's your job as Christian to act out of revenge, even if that, that history is, is, is true. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, they don't even have a Christian, they're not thinking right. There's something wrong right now. And they're stirred up with these lies and deceit, and it's stirring their feelings up. And then in the Azeri news, they always show pictures of Khojallur, look what the Armenians did. And so it stirs them up even more. And so the Christians are writing me saying, look at this. I'm thinking, what does that have to do with you invading uh, right now?
0: Yeah, the the thing is that nobody speaks about um, you know the massacres that they committed against Armenians in Baku. Um, yes. Armenians had to flee uh, Baku in yes. the thousands. Uh, the other thing is even by their own reports, right? Where I, I believe that there was a mil- uh, there was a there was a different leader between uh, before Haydar uh, Aliyev, and he said yeah. that Khojal was used by the opposition to get him basically to do a coup to say that he wasn't doing his job and all this stuff that's one of the accounts at least even if even if that was done which i I don't think it was even if that was done then you can just blame that on a group of soldiers and stuff like that not a government policy so it doesn't fit the definition of what a genocide is but they're but they're grasping at straws they really are um to say oh this is a genocide also they have false pictures and stuff they show they've actually shown pictures of the genocide the Armenian genocide and said, "This is these are massacres oh, yeah. that have... Uh, can,
1: can, I, can I give you a, just a quick story? So I have a friend of mine that was a missionary in Turkey for years. And um, we, we both did a lot of work in the eastern region of Turkey, which is Western Armenia. And uh, he uh, told me uh, after he saw something, he said, I was visiting a village in uh, the region of Bitlis, and he said, uh, I just happened to be there visiting some friends and they had uncovered a mass grave. And he said, uh, he was talking to all of his friends in the village and he said, and his friends in the village were telling him what happened. He said, yeah, we, we just uncovered this mass grave, the gendarmer, which is the military police. They came and the uh, they saw the, the, the graves. And when they looked at the bodies and the graves, the, the bones and all that, they found crosses on them. Hmm. Okay. So, you know, they were Armenian Christians. This is what the gendarmer did. They said, to the other people, remove all of the crosses they did. Then they took pictures and then they put in the news. We found a mass grave of our Armini- uh, of Turkish people that were massacred by Armenians. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I know that uh, like I, I
0: talk about fake news.
1: I, I've seen so many things like this in Turkey. They do this. This, this Turkey and, and Azerbaijan, the governments, they do the same thing. They always do this stuff. And the people that live in those regions know that. I mean, the people do know that they're being lied to. I mean, they, they see it in their own eyes. And they're like, well, we, we actually know these were Armenians. But, you know, what do they do? Yeah. They can't say anything. Um, okay.
0: Anyway. So, so, what is it that, uh, I mean, you're paying attention to the news. Um, you know yeah. Armenian. You're in Armenia. Yeah. You're also paying attention to the news in Azerbaijan um, and Turkey. Um, can you comment on kind of what it is that you're seeing? Because, I want us basically. Here's where I want us to go with this. The idea of the leader of Turkey right now seems to me, at least in in my observation, is some neo-Ottoman expansion, neo-like Islamic Ottoman Turkic expansion, kind of pan-Turkic. I don't know. I don't know whether he wants to he wants a caliphate and he wants to be the sultan um like uh, he wants turkey to become the center again for those who who are just kind of saying oh there's this stuff is happening like right now this stuff's not just happening right now okay and i would say this stuff really came to the surface when the Hagia Sophia got converted into a mosque right a number of months ago and and those of us who are aware of this stuff started saying red flag red flag this is a conquest mentality in Islam um, now you I've had personal conversations with you and you were talking about you were there when Erdogan came into power and then he was doing these little things that you were kind of like oh these seem to be like yeah. red flags this guy's thinking differently than secular Turks have and then it seems to me that mm-hmm. Azerbaijan's being used as a pawn in Erdogan's kind of yeah. vision of what this new world's going to look like even his comment like a month ago about mm. Jerusalem's binars and stuff like that. There's this comment, there's this weird, strange comment he would even make. Uh, but can you speak about that? Kind of, again, because we're talking about the mindset here and we're talking specifically about the mindset of an individual. Um, I guess go back as far as possible uh, in your time in Turkey and then trace it and, you know, culminating with how this stuff is connected like together.
1: Yeah, just to say this, I mean, you know, since the time of Muhammad, the founder of the religion of Islam, there has always been a caliphate up until 1923. All right. So that's really important that you had a a ruler of the Islamic world up until the year 1923. I mean, so you you have Mustafa Kemal Ataturk that uh, he founded the secular republic of Turkey. At that time, he disbanded the caliphate. They were exiled out of Turkey. And uh, at that time, uh, the Ottoman Empire was living under a type of Sharia law, Islamic law. They were not a secular republic. It was not anything like that. Changing. And uh, it's interesting. Since that time, the uh, the true Muslims, not Muslims in name only, but true Muslims, have been trying to get the caliphate back and that's why you see the muslim brotherhood as soon in the 1920s you got guys like Hassan al-Banna and Sayyid Qutb coming together and they're trying to to bring the caliphate back in Egypt and uh, they were working towards that in a violent way and they've always been a violent group the muslim brotherhood and uh then you have uh, in in uh, in you have instances as well i mean like the caliphate we've got to get the caliphate back and so uh Obviously, it's supposed to be a secular republic, but, you know, there's still real Muslims that want to go back under Sharia law, which they believe their religion teaches them uh, to do. And they want to be under a caliph. And uh, Tayyip Erdogan, which is now the the leader in Turkey, he's been the leader there since 2002. He used to be the mayor of Istanbul uh, before he uh, became the prime minister and then president. And while he uh, was mayor, he said some uh, things that got him thrown in jail. He said that he basically he wants to bring Sharia law and bring the country back under Islamic uh, grip again. This was back in the 90s. Early 90s, he was talking this way. Well, if you talk that way in Turkey at that time, we're still a secular republic. And religion should not be brought into the, the politics at that time in Turkey. So he was in jail for, I think, around a year. I can't remember the exact uh, amount of time. But uh, he got out of jail and said, I'm reformed. I never, I, I no longer think that way anymore. Yeah, right. So here he is. He, he comes to power the year that I moved to Turkey. So I moved to Turkey when, uh, before he was elected. And we watched the election happen. Type Erdogan comes to power around October, November of, of uh 2002, and every single month that his party, the AK Party, came into power in Turkey, I saw a change in a law that was going back to Islam, going back to Sharia law, going away from the Turkic uh, Democratic Republic, which it once was. I, I could give examples that when they come, when they become uh, uh, like a majority in an area of a city. They will outlaw um, bars. They will shut down bars. uh, The selling of alcohol in restaurants. Um, You go into those areas, and you know you you almost feel like it's mandatory to keep your head covered now, and to grow beards out as men. Uh, You know the areas of Istanbul that There's a lot of these areas you can go to, and and they're very party oriented, and uh, and it's same in, in Ankara and other places. And they, uh, even like the starting of Ramadan, uh, R- Ramadan uh, 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 the month of that, where they, they fast, you know, it used to be in Islamic tradition, the Ottoman Empire, that they would start off with a cannon. They would hear the explosion of a cannon, and you know, Ramadan is starting, and all these things. Well, that never happened during the time of Ataturk, up until type Erdogan, and he reinstated that again. Even on the buses, I remember... At the first, uh, the first uh, Ramadan, uh, Ramadan time with with Taib Erdogan in power, all of the municipal buses offered free dates, like the, uh, dates that you eat and watered when you got on the the bus to break the fast. So they were like encouraging people to live according to Islamic law. They had never done that up until the time of Taib Erdogan. I, I can give so many examples. And all of my friends in Turkey saw this, uh, that were kind of a secular mindset, and they were afraid. But then, over years, he began to shut down every news uh, media outlet that would have been in opposition to him. He, he branded them as terrorists. There was this thing that uh, he said was a coup, attempted coup, I think he did it himself, to be honest. And that was uh, Official or anybody that would have any word against them, he would say, "Oh, you're a terrorist, so you're going to jail." So he basically he's ruling with power, and he's in power, ruling by fear. Because if you said anything against him, he'll just say, "Oh, you're a Gulenist. Oh, you're, you're part of the PKK terrorist, Kurdish terrorist. Oh, you're this, you're that." And and so there's no dissenting voice now, and uh, and and he's been talking for ten years, at least ten years that I remember, of the great change coming in the year twenty twenty three. So he's been saying this. We're going to see these great changes in the country. Well, why is that significant? Again, it goes back to 1923. The first thing I started off talking about that that was the time when the caliphate ended. Well, now it's 2023, and he has been not just alluding to, but we're we're going to we're going to make some changes. We're going to go back to the way we are, we were, and he has uh, built this palace where um, he has enough rooms in his palace in Ankara. To, uh, to, to to basically like the way the sultans used to do in, in Istanbul and Constantinople, where they would house the representatives from all of their, their vassal countries. And and so he has this enough rooms for all of that, for all the Turkic states. And so he, he's got this idea of let's unite the Turkic Muslim world. And he's got a lot of people behind him. He got the Muslim Brotherhood behind him. Uh, they really love him. You know, that's another terrorist organization. And, uh, and there's a lot of... Uh, People that have been looking as this, this the, the real is not, not the one that was in, in uh, that we, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's wanting to bring this back. I don't know how it's going to look. I know that Turkish Islam is a little different. Uh, they say that they're trying to bring Sharia law and Islam, the Caliphate, back democratically so they can say, look, we voted for this. And, and that's, that's the. That's their uh, their idea. I could talk more about that. But in, in short, I, I've seen this trend. And he's you know fighting wars in Libya. I mean, he's doing all kinds of stuff. And he's trying to bring his influence, uh, the, the way that he looks as, as Turkey is the, the resurgence of a this new Ottoman Empire that will rule with peace and justice for all. That's what they actually believe there. And that's what the Turks think. Anyway.
0: So I want to show a little picture, um, actually a map of the Turkic peoples. Um, and so okay. so people know uh, kind of what we're talking about here. Um, and as a matter of fact, all of this would be connected already if it wasn't for Armenia. Yeah. Armenia stuck in the middle. Now, now, here's another thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be Armenia out of the way. Um, it only needs to be Artsakh. And southern Armenia, the region of Sunik, yeah, that will connect correct. everything together, which is where the battle is going on now. Okay, so right. this is a map of kind of the what pan-Turkism will look like, by the way. Um, and again, you can just Google pan-Turkism; you'll get it. You'll you'll know what's going on. There's a lot of people group, uh, people groups in this region. But basically, the, the whole idea is um, Armenians and um, uh, Armenians are are in the middle of this right they're, they're the ones there and again like I said it, it where the fighting is going on is is very central to this connection of all these things I mean just even the way the Turks speak about Azerbaijan right uh, one nation two states
1: that's right i mean they oh, they they're, they're brothers i mean they, they love each other I, I watch their their interviews constantly and they're talking about their you know their militaries are pretty much one everything is one for them it's really fascinating
0: yeah so i want to um i want to ask the audience we have what 55 people in here watching thank you guys by the way you guys have been sticking around for stuck around here for with us for about 54 minutes um for those of you guys who have questions uh for jacob Uh, why don't you feel free and and put it out there and I'll throw it on the screen and read it uh, and then we'll have Jacob uh, answer that. But uh, again, this is educational. We want people to know. I mean, uh, this is a region that a lot of people are not um, aware of. One of the things that we ask is especially for those who are non-Armenians because Armenians are already talking about this. We're already posting about it. The battle is not just on the battlefield. There's a tremendous amount of fighting going on quote-unquote, fighting going on in the social media world. There's tons of Azzari bots. If you go on Twitter and you see a comment, you go underneath it, you'll see all the, bo- all the Twitter accounts that were made in October and September uh, to mm. combat you know, and to produce this disinformation, misinformation. Uh, so we need people posting about it. I appreciate the fact that I have a lot of um, my uh, non-Armenian friends uh, who are posting about it and speaking about it? Because we need to, right? Uh, even I mean, Trump talking about it that day at his um, at his rallies—extremely important. Uh, Jacob's videos have gotten a tremendous response on uh, on Instagram. I don't think you were expecting that, right? I, th- I don't. I think one of your videos has like more than like a hundred thousand like views yeah, and stuff. No, the- With that, you've probably gotten some hate and and I don't know if you've gotten death threats. I think you have. Yeah. um and and so be for those who are be praying for jacob and his family and the work he's doing but again uh throw some questions out there again if you are armenian i'm pretty sure you're already posting about this stuff online uh the very least you can do and if you uh, if you're not armenian please please post about it if you want to share this video do it um, share other videos. There's a lot of really short, like one minute, 30 second videos explaining the conflict and what's going on, stuff like that. Make sure you do your research and your, um, you, know, you know what's going on. Um, so let's see, I'm looking at some questions. Oh, um, Alan Girl says, would it be possible for Jacob, you and David Wood to have another round and Jacob can talk to David from his point of view? Um I, I'm pretty sure Jacob is open to that. I know he watches David Wood stuff. Um yeah. We would have to ask David Wood. That's not a bad idea and see if he's uh, he's down to do that. Yeah. So that's not a bad idea. Uh, we'll try to talk about that and see if we can make that happen. So uh, Turks that I know keep... Here's a question. Uh, okay, let me move this up a little. Okay, Turks that I know... Keep making Israel slash Palestine parallels. Do you guys see them making the same incorrect parallels? This is asked by Karas. Um, what do you, Jacob? Do you have yeah, you seen I, this I, parallel? Yeah,
1: I've, I, I've actually been asked that question before as well, and uh, I've studied. I've been to Israel several times. Probably spent two or three months there. Uh, my sister lived in Palestine for seven years, and I visited her when she was living there. And she was doing a ministry among um, uh, Arabs there, and loves the people. I love the people of Israel. And I love the people of Palestine. I've got close friends on on all sides, and uh, the the there was. I mean, I mean, if you you study the history of Israel. Um, the Palestinians never actually had a a state or a country that ne- they they never organized themselves in that way. And there was uh, Palestinians living there at the time, uh, obviously, uh, but they'd never organized themselves a- as a state. And they pretty much sold their country and gave their lands and properties uh, to Israel when the state of Israel was being formed. Uh, and so, I mean, if you look at that that history, I mean, how, what, what are the parallels here? I mean, you have Hamas, you know, that, that is terrorizing uh, civilians and innocent people. Um, the Azeris are, the Azeri government is, I think, doing the same thing. So I would see uh, some parallels between Hamas and the, the, the state of, of Azerbaijan and the state of Turkey, um, if i want to draw a parallel. Um, and... Uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, some of the military installations actually for the Azeris uh, happen to be within some of the civilian, uh, like in the actual towns in the, in the cities, like embedded with the uh, civilians. Now, the Armenians don't do that with their military. They keep their military away from villages and away from cities to protect their civilians. But that's not what um, the, all the Azeris have done. Just, I'm going to just say there's a parallel there because Hamas does the same thing. They'll shoot a missile. From the top of a, a residential uh, village into Israel, and then if Israel responds, well, those those civilians living in that that apartment complex get killed. And uh, so, I mean, I can see parallels in that sense. I, I wonder. You
0: know, I wonder if that's some kind of Islamic um, tactic. Uh, I wonder uh, again. I'm you know way more about Islam, uh, but I wonder if uh, I don't know in the hadiths or something like that. There's something about using civilians. And I know there's stuff about deception, and hopefully I can do a sure. show with some people on deception and war in Islam. Uh, but it it it. Oh might yeah,
1: they, they can lie about everything. I mean that that again. Why is there lies in the Azerbaijani news right now? I mean I literally listened for two hours before we got on here to Azeri and Turkish news, and they're saying, oh, oh the Armenians have hired. 5,500 Kurdish terrorists they're paying $600 uh, a month per Kurdish terrorist and they're attacking and they you know they and and then they they're saying um, that the so uh, the Armenians keep capturing, capturing soldiers or finding the, the 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 dead bodies of Azeri soldiers wearing Armenian uniforms this has been documented It's well known well that's been going out here well all of a sudden today they're saying Oh, we find that um, all the the Armenians are wearing Azeri's uh, uniforms. I mean, everything they say is opposite of the truth, no matter what it is. They talk about the three ceasefires that, have, that, they, that we've tried to maintain here. Literally, every time a ceasefire is, is said, two minutes later, four minutes later, five minutes later, the Azeris shoot a missile, they send a drone over, and then on the... Azeri news, they said, oh, look, and the Turkish news, too. Oh, look, they are attacking us. They're breaking the ceasefire. Look how horrible these people are. But we live here. I mean, literally, I, I, I just one example. The second ceasefire that happened, um, I have a friend that lives in Kapan, Cunik province. It's south of here. And five minutes later, they had to shoot a drone up over that and it killed an armenian man in that region and it's where one of my close friends is a school teacher in the village where they shot the drone down i called her immediately i'm like are you okay what's happened she's like unfortunately this did just happen and you know this guy died but we're safe personally and then you watch the Azeri news they're like oh look the the armenians broke the ceasefire now the reason they keep lying is because of what you said takia they have they they can lie about anything publicly to their friends to their neighbors, to their to their family members, if it is somehow for them brings them victory. Yeah. So it's this, this this deceptive lie and constantly rooted in the religion of Islam and the primary source documents.
0: Thank you. So here's another question by Rafi. Rafi says, yeah. Hi Jacob. Um, can you tell us about the Iranian and Turkish relations, both political and religious, and will Iran stand with Armenia?
1: This is a great question. I, I, I am not an expert in the field, so I just have a few thoughts. And my my first thought is this: There's twenty thousand, excuse me, twenty million Azeris living in Iran that borders Armenia and borders Azerbaijan. And I know that that the 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 country of Iran has uh, been afraid that that sometime these will join forces together to to create a greater Azerbaijan, a northern Azerbaijan and a southern Azerbaijan. is And so there's been speculation that this is here, that this is beginning to stir up a civil war within Iran. Uh, so the Azeris will take sides against, the Azeris living in Iran, against their own government so they think they can join Azerbaijan. Hmm. And I think that w- if that's true, it would sure make Israel happy. I mean, Israel is supplying suicides and other weapons technology to Azerbaijan and people wonder why would they do that I mean why would a a, 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 a Jewish state Israeli state be supplying Muslims weapons well I think it's because they have a common uh, enemy or common threat which would be Iran so I think there could be some greater things happening here that that we might see uh, come out where there could be a civil war in Iran uh, because of this, and um, I, I can't speculate to wh- who's behind it, but uh, it's interesting. Now, when it comes to Turkey and Iran, um, they've never been the greatest of friends. I mean, uh, and I know that uh, that Iran has uh, s- offered their support for Armenia, uh, and I think it might have to do with the fact that they know There could be a civil war brewing in their country Mm. with the Azeris living in their country. Again, I don't know if that's 100 percent true why they are supporting Armenia. Um, I know they do trade with Armenia and the borders are open, things like that. So there's a good relationship with Armenia and Iran. Um, uh, Artur, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. I think it's very interesting. Um, I, well, I would say the Sunni Shia difference between Turkey and Iran is definitely a listen, Sunnis and Shiites don't, don't, they, they can't stand each other. I mean, for, for those who think whatever, like uh, there's differences in Christianity and all that stuff, the Sunni Shia hate, I could say, yeah. when you look at yeah. Islamic history is, is huge. Um, yeah. so that's part of the reason, uh, why they don't get along. Um, Iran and Ar- Armenians uh, have been living in Iran peacefully for a very right. long time. So there, there's kind of an ethnic connection that's been there way before Azaris were a people group, right. Uh, right? Armenians have fought wars with Persians. Uh, how, uh, they've conquered each other's lands. They've lived at odds and as friends. Uh, so I think there's a long history there. That's, that's part of the reason why Armenians and Iranians do get along. Um, even though the Iranian ambassador the other day in Baku made a very strange comment about like celebrating the fact that they're gonna have borders with um, with Azerbaijan, their brother Shia brothers and stuff like that. So uh, that was a really strange comment, and I don't, I haven't heard any response from officially from the Iranian government saying what this guy was saying. Um, so that was a question asked about Israel. I think you answered that. Um, so Nikki says, uh, Jacob, thank you for those videos. Um, assuming here, they're the Instagram videos that you've been making. Yes, we made sure everyone heard you putting the truth out there. Glory to God. Uh, again, that's some more encouragement for you, Jacob, to continue doing what you're doing. man. Um, I think Armenians, and you know this yeah. very well, that Armenians really appreciate you doing that. Um, questions well, are I, I, Go I, I
1: I feel an obligation and a responsibility. Um, after living in Turkey, studying about the Armenian genocide, seeing impact on the track.
0: can you can this, you this, sorry you you got cut off forward. you yeah. got cut off can you repeat what you just yeah. said you said I feel yeah, a responsibility so wanted- and then. I
1: feel a responsibility and obligation uh, to do all I can because I know uh, that because the the guilt, the Turks carry, whether they uh, acknowledge the genocide or not um, it's, it's eating them alive. And I know that that's probably another reason this, this anger, you know, they've harmed these people and they want to keep harming them even more. Uh, There's a psychology about that. And, and also that, with with the Azeris, and I, I just I, I've I've had this this sense first that truth needs to get out, the lies have to be countered. I can do some of that. I'm not the only one. There's other people that are also exposing these things, and they're doing a great job. And I but I feel that because I lived in Turkey, uh, I live here in Armenia. I'm seeing both sides. I see the responses on both sides, and uh, it, it it you, you can you, you you have this sense that uh, that Turkey and with Azerbaijan, they could and would commit another genocide. They absolutely would do it. And that if we don't get the word out, uh, we have to, we cannot be silent. And I've said it in in videos, we can't be neutral. I know there's a lot of people that say we have to be neutral about this subject. This is not a time to be neutral. This is a time for just war, which is to come and defend uh, a, a small country of Armenia, and the Republic of Artsakh. I mean, we have to do that. We have to defend them. They're being attacked by two bullies, and that's that's not right. And so I, I feel a very strong responsibility. So uh, I will continue to to do what I. Thank I can.
0: you. Uh, so here's another question, Jacob. Uh, what is the most realistic end to this conflict immediately? Is it a diplomatic solution and international enforcement of a ceasefire followed by international recognition of Artsakh? That,
1: that's a great question. So I would say that uh, when I listen to Turkish and Azeri news, they have no intention whatsoever to end this peacefully. I, over and over they say they, the Armenians can leave or be destroyed. They've got two options, that's it. And, and I think for Ilham Aliyev, uh, the dictator in Azerbaijan, that if he pulls out now, he will no longer be in power. And I don't think he wants to, he's going to lose face. There's going to be a lot of shame. And I I think he's gone too far that all of it, that the people in this country will revolt and say, we lost 10, 15,000 boys fighting for what? Why did you do this? And we didn't even do anything. So I I think on their end, uh, unless there is, uh, and I would agree with whoever wrote the question, I think that there needs to be an official recognition of the Republic of Artsakh. There also needs to be an actual official recognition of the Armenian genocide signed by the president as well. We need to have that. That's got to be with this. There was a genocide. This is a republic that will make things official in some people's eyes. And then there needs to be a, a, a larger power that comes in and makes sure that there is no more aggression. I don't know who that could be, uh, if that's Russia. If that's Iran, I, I doubt the United States would get involved, but uh, uh, that would help because I just know that the Azeris don't want to give up, and they keep breaking ceasefires.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit hopeful in the sense of um, depending on the elections go in the United States. I, I do think if Trump gets reelected, he could potentially pull out some major sanctions on Turkey and Azerbaijan. Yeah. Um, considering how poor the Turkish economy Ooh. is doing right now, um, the Turkish currency yeah. I think was at its lowest. It's it's been um, today in the morning. That's right. So it could sanctions. I know Erdogan got up there and spoke big words like "I dare you to put sanctions on us" or something like that. Uh, sanctions could right. really cripple Turkey's economy, um, and I know there's a lot of companies and nations kind of stopping supply to the drones and all that stuff, all Turkish manufacturing. So I, I do think right. um, economic sanctions can help. Um, but the ceasefire stuff's not going to work. I mean, it's already been three times. Pretty much, Azerbaijan right. slapped France, Russia, and the United States in the face and said, we don't care what you're what you say." Um, That's right. OK, here, Edgar's asking a question they, they, here. They, they, I ahead. was just
1: going to say, they're, they're just shown not to be trustworthy. Yeah. You know, they agree to a ceasefire and then break it five minutes later, three times in a row. I mean, you know, fool me once, right? You know, like, come on, you do this three times in a row?
0: Yeah, yeah, they, they don't have any intentions. There could be many reasons for that, by the way. Um, some of the reasons for it could be when, you know, because the Red Cross would go in there and the, some international uh, organizations would go in there and then they'll start finding bodies of Syrian jihadists and that's not going to look good for them And and also Pakistanis who've gone there. Um, so it, it could be kind of a whole mess for them. And I think that's part of the reason why they don't want to oh, honor yeah. the ceasefire. Um, okay. Let's move on to the next question. It says, what do you think will happen to those Armenians that immigrated to Turkey in recent years? This is a very interesting question here because some stuff has happened, um, some intimidation, but why don't you comment on this?
1: I, I... Almost a daily with many um, Armenians that have moved. Uh, you know, they'll message me, and then they'll say, "Erase your message to me immediately," and I'm erasing my message to you immediately because we are. There is a lot of threat. There's a lot of fear right now. Um, people look at them and they're, "Oh, you're Armenian." Oh, you know, and and there are Armenian communities living in Istanbul and Izmir and in uh, some other places, but the Armenians that are there. They've been trying to get back to Armenia, and it has been so difficult uh, trying to, to get back to this country. Uh, you know, we have coronavirus one. That that I mean, that that complicates things, much less this war and this growing um, hatred towards the army. They, they were never liked before in Turkey, to be honest. And so this has just made their, their situation even more precarious because uh, they... They just feel like they have to be quiet. They, they, some of them, I've talked to them, and said they don't even leave their homes because of the threats. I mean, they've been there's been these protests down um, Armenian neighborhoods in, in Istanbul uh, where the, they'll wave Azeri flags and they'll say all these slogans, and that's really intimidating and threatening when you're in a minority people group and you're Christians and ma- a majority a Muslim country that has already committed a genocide against you. And now you're living here among these majority yeah. people and they're hearing this rhetoric. It's very difficult. Yeah. That's really difficult.
0: Um, you don't have to answer this one, but it says, how long are you planning to stay in Armenia, Jacob?
1: Oh, I'd love to stay here for a long time. I want my kids to, to grow up here, finish school. I uh, love the country, love the people. I'm really enjoying it. It's like where I'm from in Arkansas, actually. The people are warm and friendly. Um, the only difference is, is we speak a different language. Uh, anyway, if, and anybody that's Armenian that's watching, if you haven't been to Arkansas,
0: you gotta go to Arkansas. It's God's country. So, um, just, just for those, uh, uh Jacob and his wife, uh, have an aim, uh, where they were convincing me and my wife to move to Arkansas. And so he's, he's going to throw that in there every once in a while for, for folks to move to Arkansas because it is God's country. <laughs>
1: Family friendly, good taxes. Um, I mean, good Christian culture there. Anyway, just, just saying.
0: All right. Uh, Let's see. There's a lot of questions, but I think there's also internal kind of conversations. If so it's almost that like if Iran stands with Armenia, then Trump can in no way intervene and support Armenia. Um, no, I actually I, I, that's think...
1: That's why I said this is complicated.
0: <laughs> it is. But I actually think Trump yeah. is... is um, How would I put this? i got to put my words carefully here. Trump is unique enough to, to do stuff that people aren't expecting him to do.
1: Well, that, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, it seems like he has a complete support supporting the Armenian people. That's what I, from what I'm seeing uh, in his rhetoric, which is good because if he says something, I mean, he usually follows through with it from what I've seen in the past. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, it's interesting that uh, I was actually mentioning this to my brother today. I said um, when he's speaking about the issue, he doesn't mention Azerbaijan at all. He just mentions Armenia. Um, and that's happened at least twice where he's just mentioned Armenia. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, there are questions where you know our opinions are a bit kind of I don't know if they're, whether they matter, by the way, here's one of them. Should Armenia mm-hmm. give away some lands in return for peace? What do you think will happen to those Armenians that immigrated? OK, so we answered that one already. But should Armenians give away look, land in return for peace?
1: OK, look again, this goes back to the Azeri Christians. They are saying we want this eternal land of Azerbaijan. And we're going to, this is your just war, God, we're going to follow you to war. That's all theologically incorrect, and it's wrong. The church's job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, minister to people, and make disciples. The church is, I'm just saying now, as a church, not just want to make the distinction, because that's our job. We're to preach the gospel, worship God, serve people, love people, love God. And... uh, and So as a church, as a Christian, if I'm thinking as a minister, I would say, well, that's not my job to decide. Now, if I'm thinking as a state, as a country, as, as, a, as a people group, I would say absolutely they should not give one inch of their land back. They need to defend their land. It's been historically their lands. And uh, as, as a country, I, I just I don't think that they should. That is my opinion.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. okay uh again Ani chief chan uh says jacob thank you for everything you're doing god is working through you uh, i want to uh, really share this encouraging uh, stuff with you I, thank you so much I you get plen- really you get plenty that. from me personally uh but uh it's good when other people are, are commenting yeah, uh, i appreciate all this that. stuff um <laughs> ah jacob are you lobbying with the with U.S. groups to help Artsakh?
1: <laughs> By lobbying? I haven't done. Uh, I mean, I, look, my, I've never lobbied with anybody. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know how to do that, to be honest, like I'm, I'm a missionary. I've been a pastor. Uh, the thing that the, the thing that I'm lobbying for, if there's any way to lobby is for the truth. And, and I don't want to see people murdered in this country, and I don't want to see their land stolen from that theft. There's murder and there's lies. God hates those things, and as Christians, we need to stand up against that. That is my my, my ultimate goal is that the truth needs to be said, whether it's truth about the reality of what's happening or it's the truth of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, um, I, I feel like I'm a, I, I am an ambassador for Jesus to represent him, and he, he wants to no other hope and no other name among heaven and earth that can men be saved except through Jesus that's my that is my goal I don't have I am i don't know lobbyists I, I may, maybe I do maybe I'm friends on Facebook with somebody now or Instagram that <laughs> I don't even know what they do um, that could be the case I mean I've got all kinds of new friends in, in America that I don't personally know they're Facebook friends or Instagram friends they might be involved in that and I might be friends with them, but I'm not actively doing anything except for what I feel God's calling me to right now, which is this.
0: Yeah. So here's a question for me. Um, Now, I don't want to sidestep it. It says, Arthur, what makes you think Trump, who is owned by Turkey and Azerbaijan and is bound to both through personal finance investments, would ever do anything to go against himself? Um, First of all, when I made a comment, I said, I am hopeful uh, that this will happen. I I didn't say it will Mm -hmm. happen. Second of all, I will I will kind of comment on that by saying uh, if you pay attention to the letter that Donald Trump wrote to to Turkey uh, when uh, I forget the pastor's name, uh, Jacob Andrew Brunson. Andrew Brunson, um, and to get him out of Turkey, um, I think that was not a letter written by an individual where he was thinking of his personal gains or whatever like that. The problem here isn't necessarily Donald Trump. The problem is U.S. foreign policy that's been uh, the policy under um, Republican and Democrats for at the least the last 20 years, okay? At the very least, the last 20 years, Um, where Turkey's been, uh, you know, the... The country that's been vital to U.S. Uh, pow- power, U.S. air bases, and all that stuff. Um, one of the things that I think could change this is the uh, is the Turkish involvement in Syria, in Libya, in Egypt. Um, well, not specifically in Egypt, but with Egyptians. Um, <clears throat> Turkey really acting strange uh, when it comes to uh, you know being a NATO member and all that stuff. Um, I think. Uh, again, I pick my words carefully here. I think uh, Trump is a unique individual in his policies and the way he acts. He kind of does stuff that people are not expecting him to do. I think his rhetoric, um, speaking about Armenians, usually people who, who want to be political make statements. Okay, I'll give you an example of a political statement Trump made when the ceasefire was agreed upon. He tweeted out, "I want to congratulate Prime Minister Pashinyan. I want to congratulate the President of Azerbaijan, Aliyev, um, for agreeing the ceasefire and stuff." That's a political statement. But when he's given a rally and he says, Armenians, they're fighting like hell, you know, they're, they're this people, they're that people. That kind of makes me say, well, wait, hang on. what What's he hearing? The other thing, by the way, I think is his firing of John Bolton, um, who was a part mm-hmm. of the establishment when it comes to this region. And I think who was uh, who was pushing for a war with Iran. And I think that might be part of the reason why Trump got rid of him. Um, so, I mean. I have my reasons. I, I, the, the 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 kind of talking points I hear specifically from Armenians that are on the liberal end of things, and I'm not. Um, uh, by the way, I'm more conservative than Trump could ever possibly be. Uh, just just to put that out there. Um, um, the the talking points are: Oh, he's got hotels in in Azerbaijan, all this stuff. He's got investments and all this stuff. Um, again, I, I I I don't know whether he does or he doesn't. Um, but I I have seen him make decisions that have not really impacted him uh, financially very well, <laughs> considering that you know a, a good portion of the country he's made enemies with <laughs> by just becoming president. I don't think he minds that very much. But again, I'm hopeful at the, the very least, and as a Christian, I pray. Um, I think that's very important. Uh, and if it wasn't for if it wasn't Trump, say it was Obama, I'd still pray, and I would still be hopeful. Um, yeah. So. Uh, now, this is a very interesting comment. How much time, realistically, do we have to stop this from turning it into a full out genocide? I don't, I don't even want to think about that.
1: <laughs> I, I can't even speculate about that. I, I, you know, people ask, when will the war fin- be finished? When is there going to be peace? I mean, we can't No, Nobody can speculate on that. Uh, we, what we do as Christians here, is we are praying that uh, there will, God will protect the soldiers that are fighting for their lands and their families, asking for protection. We're asking that God would change the hearts and the minds of the people in Azerbaijan and Turkey and the governments, open their eyes to the truth and that they would see the wickedness that they're doing. And uh, so, I mean, I'm just in our prayers. That's what we do. I mean, but to know how or when uh, we can't know yeah. that, only God knows. But we can pray. So. that's
0: right um, so Chris Maldoyan says hi guys a question for both of you Germany had a Judeo-Christian moral background and they were able to ask for forgiveness how can we ask Turkey the same when they don't have the moral base what
1: a question yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great question and I, I, I don't expect the country of Turkey to ask for forgiveness I don't expect that I, I, he's exactly right but I do expect Turkish Christians, Kurdish Christians, Zaza Christians, Christians in Turkey, that now because they do have a biblical foundation, and they know Jesus is Lord, and they know that they need to uh, reconcile, that they have the obligation to. I always look at Christians really to be the the, the, the example of countries that, that have to pass through but they have to pastor their city and pastor their country. So if we don't see a recognition first with among all Turkish Christians, how could we even expect a secular or an Islamic government to do something like that? And the same with the Azeris. If the Azeri Christians continue to believe lies about their history, uh, how, could we, how could we expect Azerbaijan not to continue to aggress? So I think that's a great question, and, and I don't expect Turkey ever to, to do that as a, as a country.
0: Yeah. So I I would respond to that very similarly. I would say the the responsibility is on Armenian Christians who know better, um, and uh, who would extend the hand. I know how difficult it is, guys. I trust me. I before I started following Christ. When I was 18 years old, I had a tremendous amount of hate in my heart towards Turks. It took me a number of years to actually be able to say, um, I love you. I forgive you. Um, you know, So um, I think the responsibility is on us as Christians to take the first step. And I guarantee you, uh, Turks won't know how to respond, especially Muslim or yeah. secular Turks. When the Armenian individual says, I forgive you, and that's, I forgive you because of Jesus, I forgive you because Jesus has changed my heart, you're going to see very strange faces looking at you, not knowing what to do, because they actually don't have um, the worldview to even understand what that looks like, which, which then becomes a great opportunity for us to present the gospel um, and, and see true reconciliation, not just political reconciliation, but true reconciliation in that we're reconciled. Uh, unless god again and we've seen this too if we're not doing it god's gonna do it right uh, where god's gonna lead uh these these turks to christ they're gonna come to a realization and we're gonna see them come in and saying forgive us and i've had that happen as well um, we've seen that yes. uh, i want to i want to put up a couple of comments here that are important and eric thank you so much for watching eric is a good friend a dear friend and he's in sweden and we pray for him and we, we hope and wish for a good health for you, uh, Eric. Um, so he, he put two comments up that are, that's very important, I think. He says, I think you need to consider that Europe has a gun to its head. Seven million refugees in Turkey that Erdogan is ready to send over the border. Um, he actually mm-hmm. made some strange comment about like Europeans being afraid to be in the streets and stuff like that uh, recently. And then he said, so... In the end, the EU will resist anything significant against Turkey, and sanctions, as those again, uh, those again, Iran and Russia don't change policy. Armenia's only hope is the same as Israel's: the Lord God. Thank you. So um, we 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 believe that. Uh, I mean, we, we realize that our uh, you know um, our only hope is. Uh, is the lord on high is it is the lord of hosts That's great. someone said are you going to vote <laughs> uh,
1: i i voted already i sent that off from Armenia. it's 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 already there
0: excellent excellent um bunch of comments about arkansas <laughs> okay, so Edgar's got a question about uh, the the territorial agreement that expires in 2021. Now it seems to me that this is this this is the Treaty of Gars, uh, but I I haven't really like studied this in detail. That it, it actually does expire or doesn't. Um, I don't know how these kind of international things happen. I highly doubt that Turkey will just hand over a land that will double Armenia's size overnight. <laughs> no, that's not. Um, but I don't know if you have any comments on that.
1: I, I don't have any comments on that. I need to study that further, but I will look into
0: it. Okay. Uh, Armand Gregorian says if any president were to accept the genocide and put sanctions on Turkey, it would be Trump. I hope. <laughs> I <know. laughs> um, let's see. Bunch of conversations about Trump. Uh, OK, seems like uh, our comment sections that turning into Trump conversation. <clears throat> France is the most anti-Erdogan country. <laughs> um, it, it seems that the, the leaders don't get along very much. <laughs> considering they did pull back, right? They did pull, pull back uh, their ambassador.
1: Yes, they did, and in fact, um, the the uh, they're going to be sending parliamentarians from France to Artsakh, uh, and they might have already arrived, and they're going to go mm-hmm. and assess the situation on the ground. So I've been really happy with France's response. By the way, this
0: doesn't it doesn't take you uh, take a rocket scientist to figure out who's the aggressor and who's in the wrong and stuff like that when you have two countries and one of them says we want the international media to come, we want. You know, peacekeepers to come yes. and stand on the border to see who's attacking first and who's not, and then one of the other yes. countries says, "No, no, no, we don't want that." Uh, I mean, that clearly shows what's going on. Right? right? Like, no, Azerbaijan oh, doesn't want that; yeah. an army wants that.
1: That's right. Uh, Azerbaijan only allows the Turkish press to come in. I wonder why. And and uh, and, uh, and Arts allowing it. I a, a reporter, a friend of mine from the United States, just went to Artsakh today. I mean, yeah. they're, they're allowing them to go in to, so you can see what's really happening. And that's a, a really good point for our Azeri Christian friends. They need to consider why is this?
0: Yeah. Why so is that? Anna said, can we schedule a time or a day where everybody, uh, have everyone pray for Armenian soldiers? There, uh, Jacob mentioned that there is a prayer going on right now. There's a 21-day fast going on right now. Yes. Uh, so um, you, uh, that's a 24-hour... Kind of fast and prayer that's mm-hmm. going on and you you can join join that right now yeah, um, yeah. I want to make a comment here um, I think uh, people are thinking a bit too American uh, in in some someone some don't ever mix religion and politics that's the first mistake I completely disagree with this statement by the way um, I don't see how you cannot mix religion and politics. Uh, especially when you're dealing with a, with a religion that is a political religion. It's a socio-political religion. Yeah. Islam is a socio-political religion. There is no such thing as a separation between church and state in Islam. That is a myth. That's right. Whenever you hear any Muslim tell you, oh, you know, we're a secular, that, that just doesn't exist. Because Islam is a socio-political religion. Islam dictates how politics in an Islamic country should be run. So when you're dealing with Muslims, um, especially when you're dealing with a, sorry, a Muslim country, uh, you need to always have that in the back of your mind. The other thing I would say is that's not even true within a Western world. Right. That, that, like the, the fact, for example, um, I have a uh, there's a video I have a short little three minute video. I gave a speech at a rally here and I quoted the United States Constitution.
1: And, and by the way, Arthur, that was an amazing speech. I loved it. That Thank was, you. Everybody needs to see that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, and uh, the you know, I quoted the Constitution, right? That all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, right? The life to life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. This is a religious statement. You can't, make, you can't say this is not a religious statement, that everybody is endowed by their creator. Your rights come from the creator God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, which is the most general title you get about God in the Bible, uh, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that you have a right to life, you have a right to liberty, you have a right to freedom, by the way, which is exactly what we defend Artsakh for, that people have a right to live on their own land, and they have a right to liberty, to govern themselves, to self-government and all that. And then they have a right to happiness. Um, and uh, happiness is uh, in the original copy of the constitution. It's the property and happiness is tied in with property. Because if you own property, then you have the right to do whatever you want with your property. Uh, so um, I don't buy that statement uh, as someone who considers himself, uh, uh, I mean, um I, I, I shouldn't. I, I, I don't. I shouldn't say I'm a religious scholar or anything like that. But you know, I study religions. Uh, I mean, I study Christianity in depth, and I do my best studying other religions. Uh, this myth that exists in the liberal world uh, that uh, the world can just move on without any religious, um, you know, ideology impacting it or something like that is just that. It's it's a complete myth. It's a complete fabrication. Okay. Um, so. Especially, especially when you deal with Muslims. There is a reason why Syrian jihadists want to go and fight in Azerbaijan, and it's not money. Let me put it this way, it's not just money, right? Some will go there for money, right? But in the 90s, when the Mujahideen went there, that wasn't for money. When Pakistanis want to go and fight Armenians, it's not for money. It's because they want to kill the infidel. That's right. Uh, I mean,
1: they said the same thing, Artur, when they were killing the Armenians. The, the, they said for every seven Armenians that you kill during the Armenian genocide, you get to go to heaven. I mean, they were they were teaching that. Uh, now I don't ever remember reading that in the Quran. Mm-hmm. Um, that that specific you kill seven, but there 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 is a they're connected. The religion, as you said, the military, economics, politics, it's all intertwined in Islam. You never can separate them. But for an American. We think, oh, you you have to separate these things, and there's no separation in a Muslim mind. It can't be, and and they and it's what you said with these these Islamic terrorists that are over here. Um, they're, they're they're highly deceived, thinking that murder. You know, the Bible talks about that in the last days. People will say evil is good and good is evil, and this is what you're seeing. I mean, they they oh, murder is great. Yeah, kill people yeah. and you go to heaven. Oh no, no, that's that's satanic.
0: That's right. Um... What would you both, uh, here's a comment, says, what would you both suggest or advise as how to deal with online comments? auxiliary bots and trolls. Um, my, my comment is whenever I see a comment, I click on the profile and I go and look at the profile. If the profile was created a month ago and it's got only comments about, uh, you know, this issue, uh, then it's a bot. It's a fake account. If the profile was created in like 2009, and then you know they put up other comments and they're interacting with other posts, just random stuff they're posting and stuff like that, especially on Twitter, then I might engage. Um, usually, I'll ask a couple of questions, and then I'll see what the responses are. If the responses are just a regurgitation of whatever's kind of they're being fed, I probably won't bother with it uh, because I don't want to give so many comments where it pops up to the top of the uh, to the chain to the thread. Uh, because of how algorithms work. So most of the time, I just ignore them. Um, There was a comment where I I think it was under uh, one of the things Trump put, and then some guy had put, Armenian should give back, and he was an Osiris guy, but someone had put, Armenian should give back Osiris land. And I just put a comment underneath. It seems like you need a history lesson. Uh, So, I mean, with some stuff, I will engage, but most stuff I don't engage.
1: Yeah, I agree. How the Bible says, "Answer a fool, and don't answer a fool." Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so
0: answer a bot. You know, I, I, I have the same. Answer <laughs> a person, stuff. and don't answer a bot.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I a lot of times I'll just uh, silent because it, it's I know this is a bot, and and a lot of the, some of the times I get really nasty stuff, uh, and uh, I I just try not to answer a lot of the gross stuff because it's not worth answering uh, somebody that foolish. Yeah that would be uh say gross things
0: uh so jacob my wife someone wrote my wife and i are making short videos i am armenian uh i am armenia on instagram what kind of instruction or historical political videos do you think we should produce to make people aware of Artsakh?
1: you know um i i, I art can you remind me of uh man's name that just produced a, a video recently giving kind of the historical foundation uh, for from late antiquity period up until today. Um, uh, he's uh, he, he wears a face mask. Yeah, he, so uh,
0: that that's someone I got connected to through my YouTube uh, stuff. Okay, Albert. Yeah. Uh, and that's on my yeah. personal <laughs> Instagram. That's on my personal yeah, Instagram. Good. And that's on Facebook, by the way. Um, I've shared. I, that. I can't remember his name. His name is I, Albert. I Albert. Albert. Elbert. Yeah. yeah. He did
1: a great job uh, just giving a summary of of the history, and I I think that, that the history needs to get out there because that's really really important because that's not known among Azeris. So I mean, if, if who are these YouTube these these people are making the videos, they need to decide who their audience is. Mm-hmm. Is it the general, you know, Western? people so they can be aware of the situation because you have to talk very diff- uh, differently to them because they don't know even know where Armenia is on the map you, you talk to an american from arkansas like me I, I i so but i think but when i'm doing my videos i'm thinking most people grew up like me you know i'm redneck barefoot shooting guns you know oh there's a war where where's that you know and i want to make it really simple and so they they need to decide their audience and they their audiences like let's inform Azeris and Turks about the true history. Well, then they have to do the presentation differently. So depending on their audience, I would yeah. say they, they need to decide
0: that. Yeah. My, my thing would be, uh, if you're making Instagram videos, don't don't focus too much on like graphics and all that stuff. Like I love what Jacob does. He stands, there's a map behind him and he just talks. Uh, just know that getting the content out there in a clear, kind of short fashion because it is Instagram, is much better than you focusing in on all the you know whatever. Just make sure you have good audio, and then make make sure you know you're providing good content. Um, I th- I think uh, people generally appreciate that and uh, uh, and share it out. One thing I will warn you is that you're gonna get heckled like crazy if it, it does get get out and yeah. it gets sure. you know turn your notifications off or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah, and, and and yeah, just realize that the the, the truth always hurts. Because people, when they hear the truth and, and they don't like it, they'll get, be angry. But the truth wins. It's seeds that planted in people's hearts and they grow. And, and eventually uh, they'll come to see, wow, that was true. And five, maybe they'll realize five years later or ten years later. But you planted that
0: seed of truth. So yeah. uh, keep, I encourage you to do it. Yeah. So Cindy, Cindy says, hi, Jacob. Again, thank you for all that you have done from your interaction and your missions do you run into modernized countries producing a watered down gospel or sin and faith, the cornerstone? It's more of a theological question there.
1: Yeah, I think I understand the question. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always uh, people that um, call themselves Christians, but do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they'll, they'll make an emphasis about you know, follow Jesus and then you'll be the social, you know, you get all these riches and you'll be blessed by God in some sense. So it's like about materialism, about living for this world, or, you know, follow Jesus, all your problems will go, you'll never be sick again. Uh, you know, you hear that type of theology. You'll hear other theologies that will say, you know what, Jesus, he, he, he said some great words, you know, he, he's a good, model for a social human life we need to follow that but ignore you know the resurrection ignore the miracles that couldn't really have happened um and so you hear all different types of christianity that people are saying is christianity but i I think for for believers that we need to make sure that that everything we we do is based on the word of god the bible and 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 it's exactly what it says and i believe that all this bible the word of god 66 books is God's word given to us it's true it was preserved for us and it is God's voice it is word to speak to us and he has given us a, a clear uh, a message that he loves us and he died for our sin and uh, that it's 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 not just a get out of hell card uh, which is true uh, when you believe in Jesus he takes our sin away and makes us gives us his righteousness uh, but it is more than that I mean he, he really helps us in everything. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and and guides us. So, you need to find a church that's a Bible preaching church, speaking church uh, that uh, that uses the whole Bible and not doesn't just take a verse out of context. Now, Artur, tour, those watching don't know, he he teaches a class on hermeneutics, and he can you know talk more about this subject. I think uh, to help people to know you know that you can take a verse out of context. And and teach something that you say is from the Bible. It's really not, though. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So what I would say is that I mean, someone can believe that the Bible is the word of God and and all the stuff that you just said. But if they don't have a proper uh, methodology in uh, the interpretation of the scriptures, uh, then they're going to come up with some very obtuse uh, ideas. Right. So it's extremely important not only to believe that the Bible is the word of God and to actually acknowledge it and read it and all that, but also be a student of the Bible. right? And, and that's what a disciple is, by the way. The, a disciple of Jesus Christ is a student of Jesus Christ, is an individual who, who studies what it is that God has communicated to us. Some of it's uh, pretty tough. Some of it's not so tough. right? Um, pray for your enemies. You know, <laughs> uh, not, I mean, it's tough to do. Uh, but uh, you know the understanding it's not you know the message is very clear but uh, realize that in the bible even peter in the new testament refers to some of paul's writing as difficult to understand and i just assume if it was difficult for peter to understand who's a contemporary of paul and probably very smart guy uh, then it would probably be a bit difficult for us and that's okay uh, we just need to be good students and then be you know the stuff that we need to be very sure about we say that we're very sure about them and the stuff we're not very sure about that's okay let us say we're not very sure about them um if there's secondary issues that we're not very sure about that's completely fine jacob and i Uh, Disagree on a number of issues, uh, you know, when it comes to theology. But we uh, we sit down and we have coffee and tea together, and we talk about it. We laugh over it, and uh, you know, he says, "Arthur, I can't believe that you you I can't believe you believe that." You know, (laughs) and I say, "Jacob, I can't believe you believe that." And uh, and you know, it's that's the way it should be. It 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 really should be. I think Augustine was very right when he said, "In essentials, unity; in non-essentials, liberty; and in all things, charity." Uh, that should really be the way that Christians interact with this. When we, we were actually talking about this when I was in Armenia. I said, you know, when you're in the missions field, you're, the things that you kind of like theologically are like really important and stuff, you kind of start realizing, uh, I mean, they're important to you, but, uh, y- you know, you want to preach the gospel. You want the essentials to get out. And so you're working with Christians that you don't necessarily agree with on all the points. And it really is a good picture of God's kingdom. It is. Um Edgar made, yeah, wanna, sorry, Edgar made a comment and I wanna sorry Edgar made a comment and I want to respond to this. Uh, he said, Arthur, you can say I love and forgive you to those who have accepted or uh oh sorry, a capacity to understand. Okay. Um so you can only say I love you and forgive you, or else they're gonna laugh at you, he says. Uh, they'll be laughing at us. That's fine. I don't mind being made a fool for the gospel of Christ. Uh I don't have an issue with people laughing at me. Um What I would say is I want to I want to replicate the person of God, uh, maybe more accurately, the persons of God. Um, And uh, the Bible says that God loved us while we were yet sinners and his enemies. And so I don't mind saying I love you and I forgive you to an individual that doesn't yet even have the capacity or doesn't even know how to understand that. uh, Because my prayer is that they will one day because I have no idea how God's going to use even that comment two, three, four, five years later. Uh, so I think it's very important for us to act with what the Bible actually says, uh, rather than, you know, judging it on how people will react to us. We never want to judge a situation on how people will react to us. Um, and then I want to comment, uh, Eric made some comments. I want to read here on forgiveness. He said, the ability to forgive is not limited to Christians. That's true. I agree with him. It says in psychology, it is defined as the forgiveness is often defined as an individual voluntary internal process of letting go of feelings and thoughts of resentment bitterness anger and the need for vengeance and retribution towards someone who we believe has wronged us including ourselves okay and um a- amen to that uh, i think uh, eric will agree with Jacob and I that we, we do think that mm-hmm. um, the responsibility in at least this situation uh, is on Christians to lead, to be leaders in, in how yeah. we forgive and interact.
1: Um, well, well, can, can, I, can I say something to do I do think something is actually unique to Christianity, and I think it's the idea of reconciliation. Um, that's the, the, the key thing in, in Christianity is that, that there has been a, a, a rift between God and man because of our sin and His holiness and His righteous standard. And the only way we can be reconciled is that that God reconciles us to Himself because we can't do that. And He we are the one that offended Him. So He stepped, stepped down, and even though we did the offense... He, why we were still enemies? Why were we were his sinners? He died for us, and reconciled us to God. That's a true. That's a very unique Christian doctrine, and and it's practically true. And so you can see Christians actually reconcile with over a genocide or murder. I mean, look at Rwanda. I can I can give example after example of mm-hmm. how these reconciliations happen, and it happened primarily and uh, with Christians from every example that I've ever studied. And I'd actually, I actually remember reading a secular reporter that was reporting on the reconciliation that had to do with Rwanda. And, they, and this guy said, you know, it's the churches that are re- leading the reconciliation. And he said, what if we could just put the Bible aside and put God aside and Jesus aside and just come together and reconcile? And I thought to myself, that's a nice sentiment, but without Jesus and without these things, that does not happen. It's empirically doesn't happen. It has not happened. Hmm. And where it's not just saying a pat on the back, like, yeah, I forgive you and you forgive me. Okay, let's go our important way. Let's do it. Take a picture. You know, you can't pay somebody to reconcile. You can't do that. It's not a photo op. True reconciliation is that you you say, in Christ I've been reconciled, and now you are also in Christ, and I can forgive you, and I can— partner with you as a true brother and sister in Christ. Let's work together for the gospel. Let's be a true family. And that's what the Church of God is, is a family. It's not about an ethnic group. It's about being one in Jesus Christ. And that is something unique to Christianity. You don't find that in Islam. You don't find that in Buddhism or any other religion in the world, animism, yeah. uh, philosophy. That, that doesn't exist. It's This is something that's, I think, very unique to Christianity.
0: Anyway. Oh, that's that's very true yeah and again reconciliation forgiveness isn't enough forgiveness forgiveness and reconciliation are, are two different things and that's very important yeah. for us to understand because i can forgive someone and not be reconciled to them that's right right um and so that, that's very important for us to to realize and um uh, and strive towards that Right And, and again, I, we're, we're speaking about two different categories here because you could have personal reconciliation, but maybe not political reconciliation, as is the case, right. for example, between Turkish Christians and Armenians, some Turkish Christians and Armenians, uh, Armenian Christians, and uh, but not political reconciliation. And right. I would say uh, maybe political reconciliation might not happen without the Turks actually uh, putting into practice, um you know giving land back and saying hey here's here's repayment or something like that right like that could also be the case um where uh personal reconciliation is a bit different right when you see uh when you see as i have and as jacob has uh you know 80 year old armenians blessing turkish pastors and then those pastors praying for the grandchildren of these um of these armenians who are gen- who's parents were genocide survivors um that's personal reconciliation um and so i i think we need to be wise um and i I'm, i'm not one of those individuals that says oh you know the politics doesn't matter let's just talk like i of course it matters of course it matters um and i think we should be wise and we should seek truth in all these things um when people have wronged and stolen um things you there's all sorts of principles you can find in the old testament about repayment and that's what righteousness and justice actually looks like um just this is why leviticus is not a waste of a read by the way for anybody who says but it's boring i don't want to read it well that's because you're reading it incorrectly there's the encouragement for my hermeneutics there right Uh, read leviticus and then draw out the principles on how to treat the foreigner how to treat uh the uh, the orphan how to treat the needy how to treat uh situations where you know Uh, You mismanage something and somebody else gets hurt. What do you do that? You can draw out those principles and apply it into your politics and then have a pretty um, decent system in place. Um, uh, Maybe not a perfect one, but at least a a well-functioning one. And so, again, you can have reconciliation of that sort. But when it comes to the politics of who's been wronged, which parties, how much have they been wronged, there's great principles in the Bible you can draw out and actually apply it in order for you to be just. Uh, because justice and truth go hand in hand right um <clears throat> so let's see okay so we've been going at this for i, I was with <laughs> the idea was to do this for about an hour and and we're coming up on two, <laughs> two <now. laughs> um people have been interested and they've stuck around i, I really appreciate it um it is coming up at midnight for me, though some of you guys might be on the East Coast um, and it's very late for you. Uh, I do have to sleep because um, I, I got to meet with uh, someone I'm discipling at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And so um, I want to thank you guys, Jacob. I want to thank you again, man, for um, for jumping on here and um, sharing your knowledge so and your wisdom.
1: It's so great to see you and I'm glad we were able to talk about these things and um And uh, any people that are interested in just keep praying, open up the book of Psalms. And if you guys haven't prayed before or in a long time, Psalms is a good place to go. Look at Psalm 27. That's a good place to start praying. There's many, many good Psalms that you can pray through uh, concerning the situation Mm -hmm. over here uh, that uh, we're facing in Artsakh and Armenia.
0: That's right. And um, again, uh, it, this is a good video. I, th- I would say um, the way it's gone, for it, it's balanced, I think, especially from a Christian perspective uh, for you guys to share out. Uh, again, I know that uh, not everybody will sit there and watch a two hour long stream, but some might. And uh, why don't you guys uh, share it out? Uh, give, a, give a thumbs up because that helps with the YouTube algorithm. Um, and if you haven't subscribed, subscribe. I try to provide interviews and then I do personal streams and I also try to make short videos. Again, this is an apologetics channel. And now it's an apologetics channel in the sense that I defend the Christian worldview, that, which is what I think apologetics should be about. Now, nothing against individuals who are doing apologetics kind of in a, in a zone, uh, you know, kind of in a topic. And they just speak about that because I think that's important as well. And I, I gain and, um, learn a lot from from individuals who are doing that but so i speak about politics and i speak about hermeneutics and theology and you know philosophy and apologetics and all that stuff as um, i think we should so if you haven't subscribed go ahead and subscribe uh, jacob again thank you very much uh thank you everybody for staying up and uh or whatever take taking the two hours out of your life which is uh, which is precious and um uh, i i do not see that as um uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? My, okay, I'm stuck stop- uh, My brain's starting to slow down <laughs> here. Um, I appreciate it. Let me put it that way. I appreciate the fact that you've you've given uh, a, uh, some time from your life to joining us here and, and trying to learn about it. Again, I want to encourage you guys to spread awareness. That's the very least you can do. Uh, you can always financially support what's going on in Armenia. Uh, Himnaderam.org is the place too, uh, because they are in connection with the Armenian government. Don't give anywhere else just give towards that because there has been some scammers uh, recently I've heard about. Um, So Jacob, uh, go back and and enjoy your company with your friends. And if if, if there are some people there that I do know, uh, tell them I said hi and I love them and I'm praying for them. There Um, are, I will tell them hello for you. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Um, And okay, guys, uh, God bless you guys. I will probably be on either tomorrow night or Wednesday night uh, to do an open discussion. Uh, God bless you guys and take care. Bye.